Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we explore the ancient wellness practice of energy medicine found in Qigong and Tai Chi with author Dr. Roger Janke of the healer within. So with that, Dr. Roger Janke, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Thank you, Vaughn, so much. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. I'm super happy. I love uh, a lot of different areas of um, Qigong and Tai Chi, and I do it myself when I get the chance to. But before we go into the interview, um, you have a ritual to kind of set good intentions and blessings for the mood. Yeah, thank you. And to those who are listening, just think of this. I'm going to ring this gong and think of it as a portal or a place of entry from where you were to where we will uh, gather together to have this, uh, what I'm imagining will be an amazing conversation. So maybe a deep breath, lengthen your spine, head on top, drop your shoulders, and one time for the gong. Thank you for that opportunity. Yes, and back to you, Vaughn. Yeah, I love that. I love a good gong. Um, okay, so you have, Dr. Janke, you've been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, but before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, please tell us how did you even get into teaching Qigong and Tai Chi? Yeah, so there's a very, very short story. I'll make it like medium short. Uh, and that is that when I was a younger person, my dad died and I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. <clears throat> when I went to medical school, I was surprised to find that doctors were very proud of the fact that they didn't know anything about health. Uh, they were really interested in diseases, diagnosing diseases and treating diseases. and I, the only reason I was there was to learn about how to help people to stay so well that they didn't need a doctor. And uh, so I dropped out of medical school. I burned my draft card. This was like 1967. Uh, I ingested quite a few uh, plants to uh, breathe in or chew up. And um, 
discovered uh, something called the Tao Te Ching. Tao Te mm -hmm. Ching is a great little tiny manuscript or text from China 2,500 years ago. And in that text, there were words that just charmed me. And I said to myself, actually I said out loud to myself, I want to be a doctor of this. So then I studied Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine is really awesome. I have 35 year clinical practice, acupuncture, herbal medicine, hands-on manipulation, Chinese physical therapy. Uh, and what I found was that people think of doctors as fixers. And I was thinking of myself as an educator. And uh, people were just not like responding to the educational aspect of what I was doing, which I felt was the most important thing that I was doing. So I quit <laughs> and um, started teaching tai chi, tai chi and Qigong. And what I found was that while there was a small percentage of my patients who were interested in self-care, there was a large percentage of my students in Qigong and Tai Chi who were interested in self-care. And I'll just mention that my first uh, yoga class was 1963. My first uh, Tai Chi class was 1971. And my first Qigong class uh, was 1973 when I was studying Chinese medicine in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So, I, and I've been to China 10 times uh, because I wanted to really get it. Like, well, what are these people trying to say? And um, Qigong and Tai Chi, they are not exercises. They are like a paradigm in which a body, mind, and spirit practice is a foundational feature. Mm -hmm. Back to you. Well, I love that. And you know, the, the thing, cause I, I'm, I'm in the West. I'm, I'm was born in Laos and raised in Seattle, the Seattle suburbs, um, Washington area. And I just thought that incorporating energy medicine or energy practices like Qigong and Tai Chi and other, um, different arts of, Asia for um, internal I just thought that that was a normal thing that everybody does that and I thought it was normal I didn't think anything of it that it's normal not to be on any kind of medication or have any surgeries and unless of course you break your legs and you obviously need leg surgery but for the most part um, I'm 43 years old and I ha I have my children and I and my husband we take absolutely no medication. I've never taken medication for any kind of illnesses um, growing up. And um, that I find as I got older that that is not that is unusual and not normal. Most people, um, especially in the West, take a series of medication for a variety of different things. And having a regimen of energy, medicine, chiropractic, acupuncture, um, those kind of things as part of your everyday normal activity is not very normal, especially growing up. So why, before we kind of get into the different, the difference between Tai Chi and Qigong and kind of give people a little more insight into that, those different modalities, um, why is there such a contrast between 
lifestyle. For some people, this is normal. For others, it's fill up the medication cabinet as much as possible and get me on those, those lists of surgeries. What, what's the difference between the two and why do certain people gravitate to one versus another? Well, I, you know, I mean, I don't even like to have to say these things, but the society that has, uh, shall we say, emerged um, in uh, America and in most European countries since probably the latter part of the 1800s has been a it has been a socioeconomic system founded on disempowering people and getting them addicted to convenience and the worst part is to convince people that they don't know enough that it's impossible to know enough so you have to hire somebody to to be sure that you your life goes okay and if we go to um, like for instance when I was studying Chinese medicine in Hawaii uh, the um, local Hawaiian tradition uh, had everything to do with self-care and the people who were from China that were living in Hawaii had everything to do with health care, self-care. My grandmother, I lived in a place called Cincinnati, Ohio. My grandmother <clears throat> was everything to do about self-care. She gave me herbs when I was a child and so forth. Um, if you look into the literature of uh, <clears throat> Germany, Austria, England, France, now, all those organ, all those countries had peasant and farming traditions that were based on basically ancient uh, shamanic type. You know, for, for in in Europe, it's the the Celts and the um, what is the what do you, what do we call a wizard in in um, that part of the world? Druids. The, the druidic, uh, you know, when I was in uh, when I was in college and I was hanging around with a bunch of Native Americans, they would never use anything that had to do with. Uh, I actually knew an Amer Native American medicine person who said that for him, he he was on a, a program with the U.S. government because he was a Native person and they were supporting him in um, in being the you know high priest for his community and they would give him drugs and he would flush the drugs down the toilet and you know so truth is but, but were the drugs for him or were the drugs for his community the drugs were for him you know they, oh, they, they mm -hmm. thought he was uh, I don't know you know like he had asthma or something like that you know and um, so I personally feel that this is really all based on the socioeconomics of convincing people that they don't know enough and the greed of the um, industrial complexes. So in this case, what we're talking about is the medical industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industrial complex. We're, we're also talking about the 
for uh, the um, agricultural industrial complex, which is selling people all of these wrong ideas about nourishment, and the educational industrial complex. Uh, as, an, as an American, honestly, I am embarrassed about this society because what we know is that the human system produces medicine every day. How did we stay healthy for as long as we did? Mm -hmm. And how did we get convinced that we don't need to take care of ourselves? Right. You, you know, and I find that I find that very fascinating that um, that that there's this mindset that you just kind of carry on with life and just if something happens, then you just go and get a a band aid or a pill or a surgery, and then just carry on. And there's just there's no thought to, hmm, I should get enough sleep, or hmm, this activity is not good for the jo my my joints that are not as strong. Maybe I should wean back and find a different activity. You know, some of that uh, more self aware consciousness that is working with your mind and your body and your soul essence and kind of taking cues from your body going, if your body's telling you um, this really hurts not to push it, then to wean back and, and take those, those, those subtle cues so that you're communicating with your body on um, a, a spiritual level. That is not a very common practice. And I hope that, no. you know, maybe we can enlighten some people about this common yeah, practice well, of connecting that mind, body and spirit together. Well, I'm glad you're mentioning all the time because the foundation of Chinese medicine, there are two things to mention here. The foundation of Chinese medicine is the first rule in Chinese medicine is as a doctor, I promise to uh, to address this person from a spiritual point of view. That's my first promise. Now, in Western medicine, the first promise is first do no harm. And of course, we're glad that doctors have agreed to not do harm, but then we have to ask the question, why are we even talking about harm here? Because healthcare doesn't have anything to do with doctors doing something that might or might not be harmful. Uh, turning on the medicine within has to do with, like you said, rest, hydration, nutrition, relationships, exercise, exposure mm -hmm. to nature, these are all things that we can do for free. So mm -hmm. the big, big, big problem is that if persons are staying well by doing a bunch of stuff that they can do for free, then there's a whole bunch of people who want to drive a big car who won't get one. And, you know, we live in a society that is based on extracting resources from average people and pouring them into the bank accounts of, of, of greedy people. I hate that. Now, the second thing about uh, Chinese medicine besides this beautiful idea of first, I'm gonna honor the spirit. And by the way, the second rule in Chinese medicine is teach people while they're well to keep them well. So then the other topic is what is in the Chinese medicine tradition, it's called three treasures, three treasures. And all of the ancient societies are aware of the three treasures. They may call them something different and you named them a moment ago, that's the physiological self that has a material uh, feeling to it. There's the mental emotional self, we can call it the mind if you want to, but it's also the heart and the, 
the emotional, mental, emotional aspect of ourself. And then there's the transcendental presence, that spiritual aspect of ourself, which is never not there, but is almost always neglected for reasons that, you know, we're, we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what I always say is before you go under the knife or before taking a huge um, series of medications, try looking for naturopathic alternative method, methods and look into energy healing, look into vitamins, look at, at other options. I actually have a best friend that she um, she went and saw she had a thyroid issue and she went and saw her doctor and they said, Oh, you need to, we need to cut it out and do some surgery. And I said, well, what's the side effects? You're going to be on medication for pretty much the rest of your life. And there's some side effects of the medication. You might, you might lose your voice or most of your, your vocal. And I said, well, what's the benefit of all of this? This is for thyroid. And I, and, and I said, go get a second opinion. And she went and got a second opinion. They both said the same thing. And so then I said, go get a third opinion from a naturopath. And she went to two different naturopaths and they bas they basically said, well, let's look at your diet and let's look at your uh, your lifestyle. She changed her diet. Uh, she was de deficient in um, a couple of specific vitamins that she wasn't taking. B12 was one of them um, and uh, a couple other ones. And she changed her diet and cut out certain uh, foods that were causing the thyroid issue. And within less than a month, the thyroid went down. The issue went down. Two months later, she went back for the follow-up for uh, the surgery, and the doctor's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't see it in here. It's completely gone. I, it, it, it shrunk." And um, and she said, "It's a miracle." And then my girlfriend's like, "Really? You wanted to cut me open and get me into surgery as soon as possible, and then hook me up with medication that's going to have side effects for the rest of my life, and I will barely talk." I'm so glad I went and and got. Uh, sucking a third opinion from a uh, a naturopathic doctor instead. And so then I can at least look at all my options. And at least before surgery and severe medication, try. At least give yourself the opportunity to try a um, less evasive path and see if that works out first before doing one that you can't undo. And I've had many friends who have um, tried energy healing, tried naturopathic, tried a lot of these other things that we're talking about and it's worked for them and avoided, they've, they've healed completely and they've avoided the, um, the more expensive hospital route. And I've also had friends who decided not to do that because it required a little bit of self-work and application mm. and they didn't want to do that because I had to change their lifestyle. So they got the surgery and they're on the medication and it's not the funnest ride, but that's what they chose as well. So, um, so yes. each decision has its consequences and its benefits. And and as always, it's best to entertain multiple options and try the less evasive ones first. But you know, the user has to apply themselves. So let's talk about uh, the users. So swimming and walking are gentle exercises for people trying to stay healthy. Um, and I know you said that Tai Chi and Qigong is not an exercise. It's a modality for um, the body and the spirit to stay healthy. But what's the difference between Qigong and Tai Chi? Can you explain yeah. that? Yes, of course. Um, but before we do, I just want to say one thing about what to do first and what to do last. Um, 
in, in, the, in the history of uh, Western conventional medicine, they say that taking care of yourself or doing something with your diet is kind of like the last resort, which is, that is just like so shameful. I can't even believe it. And, and so I want to be sure that everybody understands the first resort is to just turn to your life. And if you have to get a coach, get a coach. If you have to get an acupuncturist, get an acupuncturist. If you need a, a psychotherapist, if you're so freaked out about being a better steward of your own life and somehow can't figure out how to do that, well, hire a psychotherapist to uh, support you. Or, or, or lately, you know, they're suggesting that the best way to change your mind is to, you know, uh, if I may say, to, to ingest some uh, plant medicine and, um, you know, do a review of who the heck you are in the first place. <laughs> okay. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very sound advice to to seek some uh, cons consultation for for mental health and for mental well being. Like you don't have to have mental health problems to get basically a life coach or a stress um, stress relieving curriculum to enroll in because that would reduce the stress level, the diabetes. All a lot of this is related to weight management and stress management. Is that is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yes. Yes. Which is all lifestyle. It's all lifestyle. I mean, you can't take a drug for that stuff. You can only just become more, like you said earlier, self-aware. Having, having an aspiration and then s fulfilling that aspiration by doing what's required to become a more self-aware person. None of that costs any money unless you, you know, I mean, if you've got money to throw around and you feel like you just, you know, can't figure it out on your own, then hire somebody. But wow, you could just go to Google and say the 10 top things to maximize my well-being. And they're going to be like a thousand pages of the 10 top things that you can do for your well-being. So yeah, yeah, let's go to Qigong and Tai Chi. But let me first just say that what I'm going to describe now isn't just for Tai Chi and Qigong. It also goes to yoga. And it goes to any other kind of mind, body, and may I say spirit practice. Uh, practices that integrate the three treasures, the body, the mind, and the spirit. And so they all have the, they all have the same things in common. And, and those three, it's another version of three treasures, is body practice, wherein we adjust the posture, which we can do right now, and then do movements. In yoga, it's stretching movements. In qigong, it's flowing movements, usually done standing. In tai chi, it's flowing movements that we do with some stepping. And there are all kinds of other types of, of mind-body practice that fit into these three treasures of the body practice. Then there's the breath practice. And then there's the mind focusing practice. So that's the three treasures, body, breath, and mind. So think yoga, body, breath, and mind. Think qigong, body, breath, and mind. Think tai chi, body, breath, and mind. So that's how they're all the same. So then let's go to the origins. Uh, the origins of qigong and the origins of yoga are both in prehistory. 
They come from shamanic time. And in the, in the beginning of language, in both the tribes in Asia above the Himalayas in China and the tribes in Asia below the Himalayas in, in India and Vietnam and Cambodia, uh, all of those societies, and they were probably communicating quite a bit, you know, people in uh, before cosmopolitan time, before cities and walled cities, there were people who were walking on what later became the Silk Road. Mm -hmm. So people from China during the summer, you can walk right through to India. Mm -hmm. and in, Or from India, you can walk right through to China. The valleys, the snow melts in the valleys and the Silk Road is open. Mm -hmm. And originally the Silk Road was a walking path and then later it became, you know, with the camels and all that stuff. But the point is that all of these cultures, uh, the Himalayan cultures, uh, the uh, Tibet and um, uh, where's the one where everybody's uh, so happy? Uh, the the national Nepal. Yeah, Nepal, uh, and and those countries and India and and then also uh, Vietnam and and um, and Cambodia. Mm -hmm. All of those societies are communicating with each other, and they have a very similar kind of, shall we say, shamanic ritual practices. Mm -hmm. So in other words, all those, sh all those cultures have shamans who are kind of like uh, the keepers of the uh, ritual healing. But, you know, a shaman isn't just mm -hmm. a healer. It's like a star watcher and a predictor and someone who, who uh, supports uh, rituals of empowerment and, you know, all that stuff. So they're all kind of drawing on the same general system of ideals. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to India, Ayurvedic medicine is based on five elements. If you go to China, Chinese medicine is based on five elements. If you go to Ar Arabia and even into Greece, they have four elements, but they also mm -hmm. always have a fifth element, which is called ether, which is pretty much associated with chi and prana and so forth. So they all have five element systems, mm -hmm. really. And so Qigong and yoga arise at the same time before written history. So buddy, nobody really knows. Uh, and you might say, well, I think the yoga people came up with it first. And other people say, well, I think the Chinese came up with it first. Well, everybody came up with it 100,000 years ago because they were learning how to speak and coordinate their families and gather together in tribes and, and have build fires and celebrate equinoxes and sol solstices and learning how to do, uh, learn, children learning how to do the dances from the older people. And mm -hmm. sometimes the dances are, are about um, getting married. Sometimes the dances are about uh, somebody got born. Sometimes the dances are about somebody died sometimes the dances are about the change in the seasons and so these are all the origins of what we now call qigong and yoga mm -hmm. so they have the same things in common the three treasures body breath and mind and they have the same origin which is clouded in 
prehistory to the extent that we don't know if it's 50,000 years, 100,000 years. The ability for humans to build fires and have meaningful conversations is pretty darn ancient. So why would they wait until, you know, 2,000 years ago when they started writing things down? Well, more like 5,000 years ago. Why would they wait until then to invent Qigong? It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And of course, they all had Kung Fu. Uh, every mm -hmm. culture ran into some kind of a situation where they wanted to kick some ass and so forth. <laughs> and so the Qigong and the yoga are always directly associated with some kind of a martial art because every every community needs to have a bunch of young guys who can you know go out and meet somebody and say look this is our territory if you come any further we're gonna whip your butt <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it there's all there's always the practice of creating respectful boundaries <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> respect for boundaries and then discernment of um which goes both ways yes and if you don't um respect people's boundaries and 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 practice discernment um then obviously th there has to be some kind of um defense mechanism now you know you you mentioned kung fu and the martial arts um and they have their origins and you know, the origins of um, Qigong, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, all these, they, they have their origins to the first person that made them public and known, maybe written about it. But that person learned it from somebody else who learned it from somebody else. And so there are teachers of these ancient modalities that maybe are not as published or as uh, widespread known um, that teach the modalities and then it carries on and then, you know, Correct. As as history goes, somebody picks it up, publicizes, does the PR on it, and now it's traced back to that's the first person that taught it. But really, somebody taught them, and they picked it up in different ways. Exactly. And, and, and it goes back to um, our ancient, uh, our ancient unknown uh, history of of humanity, because all of humanity, no matter how far you go back in time or in the culture they all go back to mysticism and sh shamanism in some way that connection to um that unknown spirit source uh god whatever you want to call it intermingling intermingling and working with us and the chi prana is different words for the holy spirit or that spirit of you know of the universe kind of going through and flowing through things. So let me ask you this. Most of the movements mimic nature and animal movements. Okay. So what are the most popular movements that have the most profound energetics that you found like the most popular ones? Yes. So allow me first to just finish on the other one, which is we got Qigong and yoga. So let's put Tai Chi in there. Like when was Tai Chi invented? And it's really interesting because Tai Chi is the word in the Chinese language that means when the energy of the heavens and the energies of the earth merge in a tree or a person. And this image back here, can you see that that's that mm -hmm. what they call the that's called the Tai Chi Two. Tai Chi Two means a map of Tai Chi and a map of Tai Chi is how uh, substances and energies 
converge and become people and weather and flowers and vegetables and you know all the things that there are uh, in the world. And when you said a moment ago that chi and prana are everywhere, I really like that because when when you asked uh, the Chinese, you know, what is this chi thing? There's a lot of opinions, of course, but the foundational opinion is that it is a ubiquitous energetic presence that is absolutely everywhere, not only in the space-time world that we experience, but also on the other side of black holes and through wormholes or whatever all that is. So we're really talking about what in modern physics terms might be called like dark matter or, um, you know, and there's a lot of just debate about that. We don't know too much about it. But what is interesting is that um, contemporary science has demonstrated that there's something in the universe that is everywhere and that there's more of it than there is of matter. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very likely that it's chi and prana and so forth. So Tai Chi is a concept and so about, uh, it's kind of like a cosmological concept. So then at what point was there an exercise or a martial art called Tai Chi? And the answer to that is actually around 1500. So in other words, Tai Chi is nowhere near as ancient as Qigong or yoga. Mm-hmm. Now the difference between the two yoga, uh, qigong and tai chi is pretty, pretty interesting and I'll just say it very briefly. And that is that qigong has a soothing influence on the autonomic nervous system which triggers the function of the parasympathetic system which is basically the entire uh, vagal nerve. And so when the vagal nerve is mm. tonified it means that you're actually turning on something that is the opposite of the adrenaline-based system or the cortisol system or the stress system. So the vagal system is more like what we would call the healing system, the recovery system, the uh, renewal system, and the cortisol system is the get it done, defend myself, make my case, sell something, drive across town, you know, all the stuff, all the hard exercise, all that stuff comes from the adrenal side. And what we want to do is we want to, as a, as a way to be able to develop a, philos- a philosophical framework for how to, sur- sur- to tolerate the world that we're in, we need to be able to calm down and be more self-aware, as you said earlier. If we become more self-aware and calm down, all the things that cause diabetes and heart disease are not going to cause diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, all that stuff. So Qigong is a soothing the nervous system and awakening naturally naturally occurring internal healing mechanisms system. Tai Mm -hmm. Chi, on the other hand, because it's more complex. So Qigong is, does what I just said because it's fairly easy. I mean, we can get into the easy and why it's easy if we want to. 
Tai Chi is more complex. Why? Because in Tai Chi, instead of sitting and standing and using your arms and your breath, you're also walking. Mm. And in Tai Chi, instead of both hands doing the same thing at the same time, each hand is doing something different at the same time. So you're managing these two limbs and your two lower limbs. So that's a highly complex process. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is that it, 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 it um, maximizes brain plasticity. So Qigong, calm down, healing, Tai mm -hmm. Chi, maximizing brain plasticity. And the last thing that mm. we want to do is lose brain plasticity because after all, that's how we remember where everything is and who every who everybody is. Yeah, yeah. So really quick about um, the, the healing benefits of Tai Chi and Qigong, just for just a, a quick little takeaway. So if somebody is suffering from nerve damage or neuropathy or anything nerve kind of related, you, you suggest them take maybe a introductory Qigong class at maybe the rec center or the YMCA or wherever they can find it. Or if they don't have that in their area, just they, there's uh, free resources on your website um, yes. as well as you can get videos, but there's so many different materials out there, but, but Qigong is great for people with nerve, nerve issues, right? Okay. Qigong is good for people with chronic diseases or who are at risk for chronic diseases, which isn't just nerve issues. When I say that it, it soothes the autonomic nervous system, that doesn't mean that it's just for nerve, nerve oriented challenges it's for every kind of functional challenge that leads to heart disease mm. diabetes parkinson's disease any kind of uh, arthritis just any any of the very common diseases that people are taking these medicines for that they don't need to be taken so let me ask you this so if somebody is currently taking um these series of medications and they want to wean themselves off of it because they don't like the side effects for example um and do you recommend that they introduce this energy practice of Qigong um, and then as the benefits, as their body starts self-healing and they start noticing a, um, an increase in health, then they can slowly wean off of those medications and then eventually cut off at some point? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that because of the fact that we shouldn't be saying that what we should say is that there's a possibility that that can happen. And so the last thing that people would want to do is cut back on their medicine until they're clear on the fact that it's okay to do so. Mm -hmm. If they have a doctor that tells them that they should always take their medicine, they might want to find another doctor. So that go to, the, go to a new doctor and say, I've been taking this medication, I'd like to get off of it, would you help me? And then, you know, keep finding new doctors until you find one that says yes. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, practice Qigong. Because what Qigong does is that it basically produces healing resources in the body. It's the medicine within. I wrote a book called The Healer Within. Mm -hmm. And it's basically all about using Qigong to turn on the medicine within. And one of the things that we say is the most profound medicine is produced within the human body 
for free. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. wow, how powerful is that? So, so I, I can just, I can just see people going, okay, so what, so like the Qigong and Tai Chi, it's just a series of movements that you do with your body. How is that producing self-healing in your, yeah, in your body? You link, the, the easiest way to say it is that you link the movement to the breath. So think of it this way. If I'm breathing, an average person breathes, breathes somewhere around 16 to 20 breaths per minute. Mm -hmm. And while we're having this conversation, everybody can just go to their phone, go to the clock, push the button that, 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 that starts the, uh, the timer, and, and then just count how many times you breathe in one minute. And it's going to mm -hmm. be somewhere, well, now you're thinking I should probably slow it down. So, you know, you're probably going to be a little less. But average person driving a car, answering texts and so forth, that's going to be 16 to 20, 22 mm -hmm. breaths a minute. That is not a health-inducing breath pace. Mm. So what we do in the practice is that we take a long, slow, deep breath. That's a long, slow, deep breath. So if we, if we make an acronym out of that, it's kind of fun to say, LSD breathing. Long, slow, <laughs> deep breathing. So let's Like just, babies, like babies breathe. Like, like babies like, breathe. Just imagine so, being like breathing like a baby. Think of it like just take a deeper breath. And I'm mm -hmm. going to do it by raising and lowering my hands. So when I'm breathing in, I'm going to raise my hands. And then when I'm breathing out, I'm going to lower my hands. So I'm breathing in. And now I'm breathing out. So now imagine I'm going to do a Tai Chi gesture with that breathing. And the, the gesture is that I lower my hand, bring it across the front of my body, raise it, and then pass it in front of my face. Now, if I was doing that at the pace of 16 breaths a minute, it would be something like... And that would not have any kind of an effect on my autonomic nervous system. But if I do the deep, long, slow, deep breath, it's, um, let's do it this way. We're gonna breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. And the pace of that breath is maybe like five breaths a minute or six breaths a minute. Research demonstrates that if you lower the pace of the breath, it automatically causes a deepening of the breath mm. because the body needs a certain amount of oxygen. So if you, if you link slow breathing to gestures that are slow gestures, then we're impacting having that influence on the parasympathetic nervous system, which then produces all of these amazing neurotransmitters like oxytocin, which makes us feel secure, and serotonin, which makes us calm down, and endorphin, which actually cause us to feel less pain. So that's how it works. I love it. I love it. And the 
Tai Chi is the modality for brain related, um, like if you're having brain related issues. So would somebody who has maybe depression, suicide tendencies, mental health issues, schizophrenia, would you recommend that they take on Tai Chi and kind of roll, roll that into their practice? Would that help with those symptoms? Well, it would, but I, here's how I would, I, I can tell that you're trying to find like, well, how do people get in and then how do they progress? Right. My, ex my experience is this, is that the entry place is Qigong because it's easy and people who are under stress and people who are taking medications and people who are uh, uh, depressed or anxious or experiencing the, the negative effects of, of uh, trauma. So all of those. For a person who has never done this kind of thing before, the entry point is Qigong, and then you migrate, once you've kind of gotten to the point where you feel a little better, and the, the mind, the brain is a little more clear, mm -hmm. then it's easier to learn Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. If you are radically well, you're super powered up, and you're not experiencing the negative effects of stress, then you might just jump right into Tai Chi because the mind is clear, the body has the coordination capacity to coordinate the four limbs. Mm -hmm. So it's really, do you want something easy or do you want something a little more complex? Uh, because um, most people who are gonna benefit from this are not that well, they're taking some drugs that they'd like to not be taking, their mind is probably not that clear. They're, they're um, shall we say, uh, not feeling that positive about the effects of the drugs that they're taking, but they're taking mm -hmm. them because they didn't know any better, but now they do. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Tai Chi, I personally learned Tai Chi first because in 1967, I left Cincinnati and went to San Francisco. <laughs> mm -hmm. They called it the summer of love, by the way. It was really interesting. Uh, but I learned Tai Chi in 1967, and I didn't really find out about the other kinds of Qi cultivation practices that we call mm -hmm. Qigong until uh, later in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a lot of people work in uh, in small spaces, in offices, or they just have hectic hectic schedules, and they don't have the time to devote, you know, an hour to working out or even to add this to their workout. Uh, let's say they have some kind of workout schedule, but they want to incorporate this into their everyday as well. Um, can you show us a couple of quick, simple movements that people could do in small spaces or in office sure. throughout the day? Yeah, and we'll do this. We'll do it so that we stay seated, not because you have to, but because you can. Mm-hmm. And so let's just do what we were doing a moment ago. And so we're gonna pace the breath slow and raise the hands and lower the hands. And we'll do okay. that maybe like three or four times. And I'm just gonna be really quiet while this is happening so that people can turn their attention inward and notice what they're feeling Breath number two. Now a question that some people might have is, well, this, is this exercise vigorous enough to have a positive effect? 
breath three. And the answer is to get the healing effect, you don't need to go hard. You need to go slow. Breath four. Now turn your palms forward and lower them to about here. Now take one hand and go down and then cross to the front. Now both hands are on one side. The bottom hand rises and the top hand comes down. Now both hands pass the body and you turn, turn your body. Bottom hand up, top hand down. Both hands pass the body. Now the breath, breathe in, top hand down, bottom hand up, breathe in. Hands passing, exhale. Breathe in. Exhale, pans, uh, hands passing. This movement is called hands passing like clouds. So imagine you're looking at clouds and notice exhaling. Notice that the clouds are not in the sky. They're right here in front of us. This kind of reminds me of um, kind of dance movements in uh, Laos and Thailand, Southeast Asia. Yeah, you got to do the the fingers. Right? Yeah, do the yeah, you got to do the fingers. Okay, now we're going to go on to the next thing. Done with hands like clouds. Now, cross your hands in front. Uncross. Turn palms forward. Thrust your hands towards the earth and start a long, slow, deep breath. Raise hands up. Bring your hands towards your body. Exhale now and hands past the body as if you're sending chi, prana, quantum energy, universal healing resources, God's love, whatever you want to say to yourself about what you're bathing yourself in, do it again. Hands thrusting towards the earth in Chinese medicine, that's called yin. Gathering the yin, long, slow, deep inhalation. When you get to the up here, you're gathering from the sky, that's called the yang. So we're gathering yin and yang and now bathe yourself, exhale, Long, slow, deep exhalation. Bathe yourself in healing chi, energy, life force. One more time. Inhale. Gather from the earth, the yin. Gather from the middle. That's where the living things are. Gathering from the biofield. Gathering from the sky, the boundless sky heaven, 
bathe yourself. Get a feeling like I am bathing myself in healing resources that have no cost. And of course, what's really happening is that you're calming down so much that the body is now making medicine because of the fact that we're not distracted. Now bring your hands to your face and hold your hands about between an inch and two inches from your face. So like an inch, two inches, inch, two inches, inch, two inches, going in and out, but also making circles around your eyes. Then bring your hands around by your ears. See if you feel some kind of, I don't know, like chi coming from your hands onto your ears or coming from your ears onto your hands. Bring your hands back to your cheeks. Then let's go down and I'm going to name and you can take a deep breath in and exhale slowly anytime you want to. I'm going to name as we're sending the chi into the body. As we pass, I'll name the brain, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, all the tissues of my face and my skull, my neck spine, spine of my neck, my cervical spine, my thyroid gland, the vertebra of my thoracic uh, spine and my heart and my lungs and my thymus gland. And now I'm crossing the diaphragm and sending chi to the liver, the gallbladder, the spleen, the pancreas, the stomach, the kidneys in the back, the uh, adrenal glands, large and small intestine, uh, and also my um, bladder and my reproductive organs. Now place my hands one hand over the other onto my belly button make circles. I'm going to make circles around my belly button both ways. So like three circles one way, long, slow, deep breaths, LSD breathing. That's three circles one way. Now I'm going to go three circles the other way. Why three? You could do seven, you could do nine, you could do 12. Then stop and place the palm of your hand and the other palm of your hand onto your belly button, lengthen your spine, lift your head up, drop your shoulders, three deep breaths, slow, deep, quiet. One more deep breath. And now we're going to conclude by open our eyes.
and bring our palms together. Think of it this way. I put my past in one hand. I put my future into the other hand. I bring my hands together as a commitment to the present. In other words, the past is gone. The future is gone. I am presencing and then put your hands in your lap. Presencing means I'm not thinking about what I think I should be doing. I'm not thinking about what anybody else has ever done or I have ever done. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen in the future, not even the next minute. I'm just presencing. When we're in the present, there's nothing that can come in to distress the autonomic nervous system or the chi. And so the system automatically goes into self-healing and that self-healing will last even after I stop doing the practice. Now notice that the practice that we just did was about five minutes, maybe seven. And so check this out. Any place that anybody ever works by international law requires that you have a break. So when you take this break at your work, it's not like you're breaking the law or you're not being productive. You're only just making yourself more productive, more well, so that when your boss comes to the door and says, well, what are you doing? You say, I am increasing my productivity for you. So get your nose out of here because I need to do this and then I'm going to go back to work for you. Okay, back to you. <laughs> I love that. And um, for the, the people who are listening on the audio, click any of the video links to watch uh, us do that practice so you can follow along with the movement and practice it yourself. Now, here's the thing that I noticed when doing uh, Qigong or even doing that simple desk practice uh, for the moment that we have it. This is my, this is my thought. Meditation, and they have proven this in meditation and mindfulness research. Meditation is anything that gets the monkey brain from thinking, the no thought. Okay, so you get to the point where, and the brain cannot think two thoughts at the same time. Try it. You cannot think two thoughts at the same time. The brain can only serve one thought at a time, one master at a time. So if you are thinking about what you're doing at work and then you're thinking about dinner, you you stop thinking about what you're doing at work, you start thinking about what you're having for dinner. That's how you can't think two things at the same time. Now, if now we know that in Buddhism that if you turn your thoughts back to what you're thinking, it completely wipes your brain from any thought. You get that no thought feeling. And that no thought feeling, if you hold on to it, that is the meditative state now in those movements that we did um just like if i was painting or i was creating music or doing art or dancing or anything else in those movements when you're doing 
those simple techniques, I had no thought. I wasn't thinking about anything. Like, I was watching you, but I wasn't thinking of follow this mood and look at that and this. There was absolutely no thought. So, in essence, it's like a meditation for your body. Because literally, you're not thinking about anything. When you're slowing down and focusing on your breath, you're focusing on movements, you're literally, it's just like when you're, anybody who's painting or drawing, they're not thinking about anything. They're just kind of going circle, 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 yellow mm-hmm. color, yellow color, now blue color, blue color. They're not thinking about any musings throughout the day. That is another form of meditation. And the thing about meditation, um, research, because even good sleep can be meditation as, as long as you get into that no thought that no thought is when you connect to that chi prana life force that force that that god essence if some people call that um that source of all that's in each and every single one of it is in that no thought kind of blank energy and the thing with meditation research is they found in energy healing research that when you get to that kind of no thought blank energy, your brain waves change to gamma brain waves. They found this in meditation research. For energy healing modalities that get to that no thought phase, your brain changes to gamma brain waves. And then something miraculously happens to your body that they found in science is that when your brain gets to that gamma brainwave frequency through meditation or any kind of meditation practice or energy healing practice what happens is healing begins to happen in the body healing begins to happen in the brain whenever we hit that gamma brainwave high delta gamma meditative frequency and then the other thing they found out in research is when we we were doing this to get the past and the present of the hands and put it together and kind of have have a moment of of gratitude and grace and blessing whatever names you want to put we want to put into that that is and just taking a moment of gratitude they have found in meditation and mindfulness research that when you are in a moment of gratitude and making gratitude your brain changes its frequency back to gamma the healing frequency that's connected to that chi prana god consciousness in everything and everyone. Yep. So so that's the philosophy, you guys. And and doing that when you sit there and you, you do those simple movements that, that Dr. Janky just showed us to do, you recognize you're not thinking of anything. And and you are connecting to that chi life force and having that energy frequency. Now, here's another thing I want to ask you. When we're in these meditative gamma brainwave healing frequencies and connected to prana, chi, uh, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, um, what they do in Hindu and also Buddhist practice as well for manifestation is to focus on the end results like they kind of insert an end result image of what they want to focus on um not that they're going to get well or that they're going to start you know none of the we're going to get there and to but just to focus on we're already well like imagine you're already well um do you do that with 
with any of your students to insert the image that they're already well and just imagine they're already well and you're already happy because sure. that will manifest. Yeah. yeah, allow me to just share about that. So, mm -hmm. so one of the things that's really, really interesting about this is that when I was a little kid, my grandmother was associated with, uh, she was a Catholic, but she went to this meeting on Wednesdays and it was called the Universal Brotherhood of the Cosmic Age. <laughs> <clears throat> and so she actually introduced this idea of no matter whether, no matter how sick you are, and even if you die, there's a part of yourself that's already well. And some people can navigate or by destiny find their way to that wellness while, instead of dying and other people find their way to that inherent eternal wellness by leaving this life and reconnecting with the aspect of themselves which is eternally well. So in was one of the reasons why I got so turned on by Chinese medicine, uh, because Chinese medicine is based on Taoism and Taoism is based on uh, shamanic spirituality basically. And there's a phrase that uh, over the years I've kind of put this together from different sources and it goes like this <clears throat> there's an aspect of myself which is irrevocably well cannot get sick and does not die and so that's a kind of that foundational concept in qigong because we can take refuge in the idea that no matter how i feel there's an aspect of myself which is a place that I can take refuge where that wellness is. Maybe I will mm. or maybe I won't live forever in this body. Maybe I will or maybe I won't get cured from this disease. Maybe I will or I won't uh, relieve the pains that I have in my life emotionally and physically. But what I definitely know is that I can take refuge in that aspect of myself which is irrevocably well. And when we do this, that's basically what we're doing because the well self, the irrevocably well self, is a place wherein no influence from the past and no influence from the future. There's only the influence of the fleeting present moment. And as long as we're not like jumping out of our chairs and running for a bomb shelter or trying to get out of the way of someone who's doing harm to other people, we are in a place where we're safe enough. That's why people can do this in their office, because we're, we're, we're safe. And we probably have permission from our supervisor to take care of ourselves. And if we don't have permission from our supervisor to take care of ourselves, we should ask that permission so that we can produce at a higher level for the boss. And so write this phrase down. There is an aspect of myself which is irrevocably well, cannot get sick, and does not die. I love that. And you know, the, the, the great thing about what, what, you know, in speaking of the, about the present, that's why it's a gift. The present. It's a present. <laughs> exactly. The current moment is present because it's a gift. <laughs> now, the thing about the current moment of whatever moment you're existing in and self-aware in as a present, as a gift from, uh, from 
the Holy Spirit, God, source, whatever you want, we want to call it, is that at any moment when you finally decide to be conscious and self-aware and have and 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 live that lifestyle of that mind body spirit connection and you know basically living you know living the lifestyle of incorporating some kind of energy healing like qigong or tai chi or or yoga or any kind of energy healing um into your lifestyle every day and having those movements not just to get into it but then you start internalizing it and doing it almost all the time you don't breathe that quickly all the time. You take yep, deep yep. breaths almost. It becomes your new every day, so you don't have to try it. It just it's your natural state. But guess what? Then your natural state is high delta, high gamma brain waves, high energy healing, and you not only. But we say this in Buddhism, and they have proven this in um, mindfulness research that when people are in those high meditative gamma brain wave states, they not only have this energy of healing in their body, but it also affects the people around them. It affects the people that they're around. It affects the environment, the trees, the earth, all of the creatures around them. And so they become kind of an aura field of healing because they're constantly in a natural meditative gamma brainwave, mind, heart connected to, um, to source energy so now you are walking guess what you guys are when you become that and that becomes your new resonance you become a walking living prayer okay you're living your life like a, a prayer every single moment because that's what you are you're just constantly connected and aware now i wanted to say something also because you you mentioned about the the present the past and the future um, in Buddhism, and these, these, these are in the philosophies as well, um, that we, we think we're doing these simple things and we're not, we don't think it, anything's profound about it, but I just explained to you that you guys basically are not only healing yourself, but you're bringing in a higher consciousness, a higher frequency to yourself and to reality, thus healing and raising the frequency of everybody else and the environment around you. Um, but also... When you decide at any moment um, to start living like this and incorporating this into your everyday, you your present changes the past in time space, not just the future, but it also changes the past. And the, according to the philosophy um, and in, in Buddhism and other Eastern medicine, the past, the present, the future, they all exist simultaneously. They're not separated from one another. We can't separate our consciousness. We just focus presently right now because that's what our focus is on. But when we do these higher energy practices and we heal and raise the frequency of our present body and energy, it also heals our past. And so the, 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 the injuries and illnesses that you may be experiencing and healing right now all of a sudden heals at an accelerated pace or sometimes they will completely change because guess what you've just healed the damage that was done in the past so um can you speak to kind of the metaphysical aspect of healing sure 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 well you know you basically just said it very well 
And I know that the average person gets it, that if I make a change in my present, that I'm going to have an influence on the potential for me to be a, a more well person or a more productive person or to live more comfortably into my future. That all just kind of makes natural sense. Mm-hmm. But then when we say that this actually has an influence on our past, it's, it, it, it raises a question mark for the average person. I understand it because I think about it all the time. I write about it in the books that I write and I teach it to people who I teach and I teach people to teach these things. So I'm very comfortable with it. Um, I think the easiest way to say this um, for the modern person and then we'll say what the easiest way for the uh, ancient tribal person because the, the, the new arising modern person and the ancient tribal person, they share the idea that there is no time. Mm-hmm. This is like this. This is a powerful shamanic mystical secret is that there is no past and future. There's only just the fleeting present that we're in and then how that fleeting present is, you know, rolling and transforming and feeling good and feeling bad and, you know, all the stuff that happens. So in physics, there's a lot of research on this whole idea that the, the, the past and the present all exist in the same place as the present. The difference is that the, that the future has a, an unknown for the local person to be able to know anything about because mm-hmm. we're caught in something that we call time which may or may not exist. Uh, and the, the person who's having that experience is going to question the possibility that anything that I do now has an influence on the past. So the, the, the basic concept is that if I can either understand shum, shamanism or if I, if I understand physics, I don't have to understand both. And they're both kind of big deals to try to understand completely. But when you cook them down to the thing that we're talking about right now is that the secret, the portal to the marvelous outcomes that we seek. And by the way, those marvelous outcomes may be that we get run over tomorrow. So it's not, it's not like you can say, I want a million dollars and I plant the seed of that and that's for sure gonna happen. Instead, what happens is that we become oriented to the fact that there's a naturally occurring thing going on here. No matter how much we do which we're allowed to do and we're allowed to be purposeful and we're allowed to have a will and we're allowed to discipline ourselves and we're, we're allowed to do the, you know, change my diet, change my exercise. All of that has something to do with all of this too in more like a space-time sense, but in a transcendental sense, in a shamanic sense, in a quantum sense, in a spiritual sense, the idea that having, a, holding, an intention, let's just call it that, holding an intention to be as associated as I possibly can with the aspect of myself which is eternally well mm-hmm. is an awareness that will have an influence on whatever the past was. And so that the main thing that that says is that, in, like for instance, when I was a very young, I had pneumonia. So what that would mean is that for me, knowing that I'm eternally well in outside of space-time and knowing that I was sick inside of space-time, so then I bring the outside of space-time, 
idea to bear on space-time and therefore it has a soothing and uh, nourishing and maybe even healing effect on something that caused health problems in the past and may in fact cause health problems now and may even cause health problems going forward. So the secret, no matter what happens to the future and the past, is presence. Because when I take those long, slow, deep breaths and I disassociate from the complexity of my life and I do a little movement to be able to pump the blood and, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, turn up the little bit, just a little bit of metabolic functionality. Mm -hmm. I don't have to. I don't have to run. I don't have to ride a bike. I don't have to lift weight. I can do all those things. I might want to buff up, yeah. but if I want to heal myself, what I'm going to do is maximize function. Basically, that's the that's the underlying idea for most people: is that chi is function, prana is function. Yeah, of course, chi holds the planets in their places around the sun. Chi is what it is that makes for a black hole and a wormhole and the multiverse and all of that. But applied to ourself, Chi is the function of the physical self, the heart mind, which is the feeling self and the intellectual self, and then the transcendental self, all integrated and coherent. And so you and I can have these fun conversations about how present ideas heal the past People mm -hmm. can have question marks about that and say, well, I'm not sure I understand that. But we can all come back to the idea that presencing and disassociating from the complexity of our life has relevance. And one more thing to say here is why is it that the bad guys want us to be afraid? And oh, goodness. Fear. Fear is a very high emotion. And is also a toxic emotion. To be constantly in That's fear mode is a toxic emotion that weighs down your immune system. They've already proven this in science. It weighs down your immune system. It slows your healing abilities, your self-regenerating healing abilities. Um, it is a very toxic emotion. So if you're constantly feeding yourself fear Wherever you go, constantly, like you turn the TV on, it's one fear after another fear after another fear, and et cetera. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't keep up with what's going on at the news and stuff, but you also should be mindful of um, how much fear you ingest. And then maybe, um, you know, how can people kind of like reposition fear? that they feel in certain news, how can they reposition it so it's not so damaging to themselves? Presencing. Presencing. So that, that's what I was saying a moment ago, is why is it that the bad guys want us to be addicted to feeling anger, fear, uh, disliking these people, disliking those people, looking at pictures of ourselves and disliking ourselves? That's how they can sell us all this crap. That's how they sell us the medicine. They mm -hmm. make us sick, then they sell us a medicine that doesn't do anything. And it's ridiculous because if we take refuge in the aspect of ourself, which is inherently well, mm -hmm. and, sh and share that with others, and when we're exposed to bad news, it's kind of like, whatever. For mm -hmm. me, I'm in that refuge 
as securely as I possibly can be for every moment of my day. And when I go to sleep at night, I am intent upon being getting good deep sleep. As, you, as mm -hmm. you probably know, you need about an hour and a half to two hours of what they call deep sleep, which also has to do with brain waves and all of that stuff. And when you wake up in the night and you're and you're freaking out about the news that you watch during the day or even your bank account, you have to be able to find your way into the present because mm -hmm. then you can go back to sleep. Then you can heal yourself and then tomorrow you can do something about your bank account. If you stay awake all night worrying, then tomorrow your brain is fogged up. I'm telling you, this is, this is my view, is that the, I hate saying it this way, but the greedy elites make us afraid so that we'll get sick and we'll buy expensive medicine that doesn't do anything and we will continue like that. And as long as we're like that, they're going to have their jet planes, they're going to have their big houses, and we're going to be fighting amongst each other all the time. It is ridiculous. And so I am an advocate, and I think you are too, of living peace. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when we live peace and then we meet somebody else, I mean, what is it that we do when we meet somebody else? We put our hands together and we say, presencing and I recognize myself in you. Namaste, yes. 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 I will say one more thing just for because I don't want somebody to get lost and like, oh this is all great, really woo woo great uh, metaphysics <laughs> conversation. But let's on a practical level, just to understand the power yeah. of um of being in a meditative, conscious, high vibe, gamma brainwave, you know, heartfelt uh, frequency. Um, and when you start incorporating energy medicine and qigong um, into your everyday, maybe you can't do it every day. Maybe you do a couple times a week. Maybe you do it for five minutes at your at your office desk. Whatever. Uh, start a little and then kind of go from there. But the thing with the present moment is that you can take two people who have the same injury, and they've proven this in science. You can take two people that have the same injury, and one is constantly in fear mode, constantly feed himself negative news, information, constantly going into the melodramas, taking the a whole series of um, medications. And you can also take somebody who's incorporating cutting off the fat of the negative news and the melodramas, everybody else's melodramas, and he's feeding himself happy news, happy information, watching happy shows, you know, doing that self-healing work and um, they're incorporating energy medicine like qigong like tai chi into their life what you see and what they found in medicine is two of the same type of injuries of the same people who for the most part have the same medical records same uh demographics the one who's incorporating naturopathic energy medicine and just kind of lighting up their um their stress load and fear load they're healing so much faster almost on a quantum level than the other person and in buddhism and eastern philosophy we would say what is happening is that you, because you healed the present and you're connected to that force that life force or the force is strong with this person <laughs> um the chi is strong with this no, person the fourth is the force is with you my friend 
Yes, the force is with it. It's a strong one here. Anyways, because you are connected to that life force of the universe, of source, God within you, and you are, you know, in that flow of motion, what is happening is that your past, the injury in the past is healing, is lessening, it's severity and what you see in the present is a much quicker better healed person the injury healed faster the ailment minimized the tumor went down it went it completely disappeared there's so many of these phenomena i know you probably have on your website and in in your instructors uh so many different uh testimonies of illnesses oh, and injuries wow. of people that reported and then after they incorporate this it's um completely gone i mean can you tell us like two or three of your top ones that you see often well i'll tell you the one that really got my attention just last week which is among the tops uh i was doing a seven week online course and one of the people came, came on, raised her hand and said, you know, wanted to say something. And she said, um, when I came into this course, I was legally blind and I could not, I could hear you, but I could not see you on my computer. And uh, on the seventh week, she said, I'm still legally blind. I probably couldn't get a driver's license or anything like that, but I can see you now. And I'm going to do this practice until I can get my driver's license. And I thought that was that, that that was one of the most important ones that that I've I've ever heard before. I've had a lot of experiences with people who will say something like, um, "During the class, my head was hurting and I was feeling really sleepy." And uh, and then when we did the practice after the practice. I thought I was going to get a headache. I did not. I felt really lightened up and awake. So what that one points to is that that person was, their, their function was depreciated mm. and they were feeling the negative effects of that. And after we did the practice, their function had been activated and therefore they basically healed themselves very quickly. Um, I love that. I remember one, uh, one person this is a really long ago one, uh, a woman who had a, a chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Lymphocytic mm. leukemia is, there's two kinds of leukemia. There's this one and that one. She had lymphocytic le leukemia. And she would do what she called qigong, uh, tai chi every day. And um, some things that I t taught to her. And so when she was going to her doctor, the doctor would say, you know, most of the people who have this disorder, when they come in here over a period of months, their capacity is depreciating. But mm -hmm. for some reason, yours isn't. Mm -hmm. And so imagine you've got a disease and the doctor thinks you're going to be depreciating. And then you come to the doctor and you demonstrate on a regular basis that you're not depreciating. And then, you know, the doctor says, you know, what are you doing? And then you said, and I've heard this like a thousand times. I told my doctor I was doing Tai Chi and they said, oh, okay, we'll keep doing it. And it was kind of like they didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think I think the more people who incorporate Qigong Tai Chi, uh, 
even the martial arts and any of the um, different energy healing practices into their life, the more we show the modern Western medical establishments proof of miracles. Yes, amen. Yeah. So do you have a last message for people to help them get over the hurdle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it's kind of unbelievable what we're talking about here. And the reason why it's unbelievable is because of where we live and who we listen to. Because if we were in a Native American tribe or if we were in a Vietnamese uh, village uh, not that long ago or even now, the things that we're talking about would make absolute sense. It's like everybody that we would know would be thinking like we're talking here today. Oh yeah, I'm from the Hmong tribe of Laos, so this is common. This is like a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so what what happens is that we get again. I'll just say it again: greedy corporations keep us afraid, so that we get sick from stress-generated diseases, and then we take medicines that we don't really need, and so. Isn't that enough of a motivation? I mean, to learn that the most profound medicine is produced within your own body for free, what else do you need? So yeah. what I know for sure is that most people are hypnotized, lost, confused, and they don't even have time to listen to what we're saying. And so they will basically depreciate they'll crash and burn and we will we we you and i we will have done what we could do to support them and um so i feel free from every person who doesn't get it i am free and for every person who does get it you are my brother you are my sister and we can be a part of how the world recovers its sanity by simply doing things that we can do in our own home for no cost. And that's just so compelling. Yeah, well, you know, Dr. Roger Janke, um, I very much enjoyed this discussion on Qigong and Tai Chi and is an introduction into a lot of different other energy healing modalities. <laughs> um, you know, the thing, the thing that comes to mind for me is that um, as illnesses, injuries, and diseases get more sophisticated and modern medications and technology aren't able to keep up with them or address them um, because there are illnesses that we just do not have a remedy for. We just don't. So as we get into these areas of nature where we do not have any remedy for these advanced evolving diseases, um, and illnesses, or we don't even understand what they are. It is these ancient energy healing practices that are the last resorts that we have available to us. And what is there to lose at that point? Let's go so, first resort. Yeah, and make it the first resort before you, you try the other stuff. So that's my recommendation for sure. So um, whatever age and whatever gender and wherever you are in your life, um, the present moment is a gift and you can always choose 
to connect to that life force within you and begin that 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 self-healing that higher consciousness practice mm-hmm. so for more information about dr roger janke and his team's offerings courses books please visit their website which is it's also in the show description institute of integral qigong and tai chi.org and thank you kindly for listening to another enlightening conversation until next time Blessings! We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.